0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life.
1: Create propre vie.
0: Create your life.
1: Create your life. Create tua vita. Create your life. Create your life to create, <laughs> create your life.
0: Create your life.
1: Create your life. Create your life.
0: create your life family thanks for tuning in to this episode before we get started i wanted to share some exciting information from our sponsor we only pick people and companies that we think are awesome to bring onto the show so please support them as a podcaster i've spent hours and hours editing doing show graphics and much more and i finally got fed up with losing all of my free time to post production activities So I decided to do something about it. And if you are a fellow busy podcaster who would like to just record and have someone else do the dirty work of graphic creation, tagging and uploading your show to your server and in-depth SEO generating show notes, go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. Beautiful people, this is the Creator Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and it is another amazing day and another amazing episode. We have someone who is very dynamic and has been highlighted for her accomplishments on the show today. So I hope that you get as much out of it. As a matter of fact, I know that you'll get as much out of it as I will and really be graced with the presence of this beautiful young lady. She's a banking veteran who comes from a long family history in banking. Having built a successful career in the industry while starting in her 20s, she became the youngest and only woman executive vice president at Arab Bank, holding board seats on the boards of multiple bank and nonprofit entities. By 2012, she was listed as the number three most powerful Arab businesswoman in publicly owned companies in 2012 by Forbes Middle East and was nominated as a young global leader by the World Economic Forum with a strong belief that financial literacy is a basic life skill that should be taught from an early age she founded in her quests a company that creates fun financial education products for kids with its first product especially designed for girls starting from the early age of 5 she has served as executive vice president and head of branding at airbank from 2006 to 2012 and served as a member of its board of airbank poc in addition to other related entities such as Air Bank Switzerland and Air Bank Australia, as well as several public reputable NGOs in Jordan like the Abdul Hamid Shoman Foundation, the Jordan River Foundation, and INJAZ. She was born and raised in Jordan and educated in the United States. She holds a BS in finance and an MBA from Bentley University. I'm talking about none other than Miss Dina Shoman. Dina, please say hello to the Create Your Life family.
1: Hello, Create Your Life, and hi, Kevin.
0: Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Good. You
1: know, how's so it going? So happy
0: to have you on the show, <laughs> and I know that you're super, super, super busy at all times, so thank you for making the time to be on the show.
1: Definitely. Anything for you, Kevin. I'm so excited to be on here. I've heard so much about the show, and I'm excited to talk to your people.
0: Yes, let's do it. So Dina, please tell us about your entrepreneurial journey and how you actually got here as an entrepreneur after such an amazing career in banking.
1: That's a long story. Where do I begin? <laughs> so I think my entrepreneurial journey kind of started genetically in some ways because my great grandfather established a bank in 1930 after having leaving his hometown of Jerusalem Palestine at that time, and coming to the U.S. to become a door-to-door tradesman and building up a whole company here, but decided he wanted to go back and do something great for the Arab nation and decided to start a bank after he saw how banks work here. So growing up, that's always been in my blood, you could say. Banking is family and family is banking. And after I did my education here, I went back to work at the bank and now i realize looking back that i've always had some sort of creative entrepreneurial spirit in the bank i created many departments and started things from scratch there over 6 years and then when we decided to leave that in 2012 i knew i wanted to start something for myself i just wasn't 100% sure what and that's when the whole journey started of discovering what's the best thing that I could do and add value to based on my passions, my experience, and the difference that I wanted to make in the world.
0: If banking is such a family business for you, what do you feel there were expectations for you, right? Did your family expect for you to leave the industry and start and branch out on your own? Or did they expect you to go into another aspect of banking? And what were the expectations around you and your future growing up and both after you became an adult?
1: If you know much about the Middle East and similar to many cultures, there's always an expectation of growing up to become something or following the family business. Luckily for me, I feel like growing up, I was never pressured to do anything related to banking. I actually kind of hated it growing up. And I really used to get so bored sitting and trying to get the money lessons that my parents and my grandfather used to give me, which brings me to what I'm doing today, which we'll talk about in a moment. But what really got me interested in it is I took an economics class in high school. Don't ask why. I fell in love with it then. I do not like it now. And that got me interested in business. And so I actually decided to pursue a business related degree, not knowing exactly what I wanted to do. Fast forward, went to school, did finance, worked in banking in between my undergrad and grad school and decided that I did want to go back home and I did want to work at the bank. So the bank started out being founded by my great grandfather and a few more investors, but it grew to become a publicly traded company. So although we were part of it, we had a very, very, very small percentage of it. But the family had been in the management of it for many, many years at that point. And I was just excited to come back and be someone who could make a difference. And after my education, my experience here, I was just excited to see what I could do.
0: At what age, because you said that your grandpa and some others were teaching you about money earlier on, what were some of the lessons that they were teaching you? And how early did you start learning about finance?
1: The conversation at home was always about work and banking and money and saving. So uh, it's really hard to think of how early it's been. But my earliest memories have always been about like how important it is to save and like money doesn't grow on trees. And although we were blessed and I'm very thankful and grateful for the lifestyle we had and Mm -hmm. the support that I've had from my family. But it's always still been instilled from an early age, like turn off the lights, save electricity, Uh, even things related to money. But it's also related to environment like when you're brushing your teeth, close the tap water, (laughs) when you're deciding to buy something, you know, do you really need this? Or is it something that you could wait? Those sort of lessons. Sometimes I also remember traveling with my grandfather and sitting down with a branch manager. And he would ask the branch manager to talk to me a little bit and teach me about banking as he had a meeting. And I remember the managers like drawing the credit and debit line or the T line explaining, this is the credit and this is the debit. And when people's deposit come in, they go here and then they go to treasury and they have to earn interest. And I'm like, when can I go and rollerblade by the lake or something? It was just really, really boring. But that's why I really think it's so important to start from an early age and to make it fun for kids. And I was lucky enough as a woman, as a girl to be taught and supported. My confidence built in that way from an early age. And that's why I want to do that for kids.
0: So you were inspired and supported at a young age. How does it feel to be named the third most powerful Arab businesswoman in a public owned company by Forbes? Forbes is a big deal. How did that feel? Because, you know, I feel like that support came early on and that's what helped you to be able to reach these levels.
1: I was totally surprised. It completely did not expect it whatsoever. I was just contacted by their editor to let me know and they wanted to interview me and put me on their English magazine cover. I was very grateful about it. I think I was very lucky because, like you said, getting that support and education and such a strong belief from my family to push me to do more and more, to come all the way to the United States and study here, to two and a half years in between my undergrad grad school to pursue my grad school and live here a total of eight years before moving back home mm-hmm. as a female, Muslim, Arab woman, it was definitely something. And to be able to join the bank and get the support to create things that make a difference, such as the corporate social responsibility department, the sustainability initiatives, employee volunteer programs, rebranding, whatever, and supporting a lot of nonprofits back home, I think definitely my family played a big role and their support and belief in me and what I can do. And the nice thing about it is it's not because of the fact that I was the daughter or the granddaughter. It Mm -hmm. was my father when I joined the bank at that time was chairman and CEO and he was so tough on me. Like Kevin, I can't even tell you. I used to go crying to my mom and be Mm -hmm. like, I don't understand why is he so tough on me? Like more tough than I've seen him with anyone else. But now looking back, I'm so grateful for that because it really made me work two, three times harder and To have to prove myself even more to him, not just that I'm entitled to what I did, but hopefully he feels the same way that I earned it and I made a big difference as much as I can.
0: How did your mother support you in those times where you felt like your dad was being too hard on you?
1: My mom is amazing. Like I mentioned before, I used to hate banking, but... The other secret is I actually used to hate my family. My father used to work so much. He didn't really have much time to spend with us. When he did come home, it was always like, you know, he had a headache. He had to keep it down. When he did have time, of course, he was an amazing father and we did get to spend time together. But my mom was always supportive and she understood how important the work that he was doing. So she brought us up to really respect that and understand that. And I think when I matured more, when I became more of an adult, I really looked back and I understood, oh, okay, this is what dad was doing for us. I understand now. She continued doing the same thing at that time, like being very comforting, understanding, listening, and very encouraging to continue doing what I had to do. I'm sure she had her behind the scenes talks with my dad. <laughs> he would not listen. He continued being tough and especially more as time went on. And I took on more responsibilities. But I think he appreciated the work I was doing because with time, he started giving me more responsibilities. He started putting me on boards of different entities and giving me more strategic roles, which mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for.
0: Fast forward out of the finance industry, what inspired you to create In Her Quest? And why do you feel like finance is something that should be taught as early as five years old versus in high school or middle school? I mean, really. It's not taught in school at all, so.
1: Yeah, that's the sad part. Financial literacy and almost anything related to money is very rarely taught in schools. When I did my research before deciding what, type of company and what kind of way or strategy to take, I found that a lot of schools that did teach it, they taught it later on and it was almost like an afterthought. It's like, oh, you're going to college, let me teach you how to balance your checkbook and like, you know, what a credit card is and whatnot, which I feel is a little bit too late because children really form that sort of personality or behavior outlook at a very early age. And they form most of their personalities and thoughts about it by the age of seven. Also being a very strong believer in education and starting early, I wanted to start at an early age. So I wanted to make sure to start the process and keep creating things to grow with kids and specifically girls, which is why my first product is focused on girls, so that it grows with them, it sticks with them. And by making it fun, they actually learn better, believe it or not. It's very different thing than what schools may even be able to offer because in school we have the issues of like testing and grades and whatnot. and here by creating something that they can play at home with their parents it's a safer environment it's fun mm-hmm. and And they learn stuff from their number one mentor or the first person they look up to their parents. Mm -hmm. And kids actually learn most of what they know about money from their parents, whether or not their parents are directly teaching it them. So that's why I wanted to start early. And my focus on girls is because they get discouraged growing up. They feel less smart. Even though we're in a Western world, the USA, many girls are still not as encouraged to learn these things and work and whatnot. I still hear, although maybe not as prevalent in New York, but, you know, the whole concept of marry rich and you'll be all set. But if you don't really learn the stuff, I mean, you never know what happens in life. You see the divorce divorce rates. You see all the issues, the Me Too movement and things that come up. Like you need to be able to at least feel confident enough that you can take care of yourself financially or know how to if that comes up. So starting early, I feel like helps build the pathway and the road for them to build their confidence and their skills so that hopefully by the time they graduate or start their quote unquote real adult life, they have more options and choices in their lives because hopefully they've made better choices and they will continue to do that
0: moving on. In the industry, there's a lot of children's games out there in the market. What do you feel like makes In Her Quest different? And what made you decide that, you know what, I know that this is something that's going to work?
1: So Interquest, I didn't want it to be just a toy and I didn't want it to be something that's one-off. So what I wanted it to be is something educational and something that builds upon itself, basically. So I Mm -hmm. found educational standards and I found an amazing education experts and child development experts to build a curriculum of games and activities that actually Mm -hmm. deliver or teach those kids those learning goals are supposed to or can be learning at specific ages through fun. First of all, it's a physical product. It's a box that's soon to be a subscription box, hopefully after my Kickstarter is super successful on October 10th, we'll see. But it's starting off as individual boxes that have two to four games and activities that are done with the parent at home, as I mentioned, and they Mm -hmm. include everything that you need except crayons, (laughs) because all the parents I interviewed said, please don't send us more crayons that's definitely a differentiator and there's a lot of digital stuff out there, which is great. And, but the other problem is that parents also are trying to find things that take their kids away from the screens, right? Like I have nothing against screen time. I think you can do so much and educate a child in many different ways using Mm -hmm. digital products, um, iPads and whatnot. But being a physical product actually Mm -hmm. creates that, attention and quality time with parents, which then again, brings in the whole kids learn from parents the most about money stuff. So that's another aspect of it.
0: Quick question, because I've read a lot about InnerQuest. What is negotiation parenting, child discernment skills in relation to finance? These are some of the things that InnerQuest teaches. Can you shed a little bit of light on it for us?
1: That specific post that you read is about how to build more, not just negotiation skills, but actually confidence with your child by being able to follow the things that we mentioned. Like a lot of parents, they like to tell the parents, no, their kids No, you have to do this and they don't really allow them the space to try to convince them otherwise. So it's more like almost an authoritarian (laughs) relationship which, you know, sometimes you need in specific instances, but it's really healthy to try to open up the conversation space and for a child's personality and thinking skills and trying to convince you of certain things. It's very healthy to do that with your child and especially with girls, because as they grow up, that teaches them negotiation skills. It gives them the confidence. If I can like bring this up with a parent that, you know, know, with my parent, then why can't I do that in the workplace, for example, if I feel like I'm being underpaid or I feel like I deserve a raise or a promotion. These are some things that you can do at home with everyday life Mm -hmm. that actually indirectly will build those skills for them. So when they do need them in these situations, they are able to step up and have the confidence to do that.
0: How lean is your team?
1: I don't have anyone full-time, I have a bunch of independent contractors at the Mm -hmm. moment because I don't have the funding to really secure a full-time team right now. But I'd love to do that. That's one of my goals, actually. I'd love to hopefully get a proof of concept of this product and see if it resonates with people, if people love it, if they want it, and start getting... Sales so that hopefully I can raise some money eventually and then build a team. It's a process. It's definitely a process. I love the team that I'm working with now. I think they're really, really amazing people. I'm going with my toy designer illustrator tomorrow to a fall toy preview where they have Day of Women in Toys Empowerment Day. So we Mm -hmm. actually get to connect with a bunch of mentors from the toy industry in different job types like marketing or production and whatnot. And we're actually Pitching six toy companies. So I'm super excited about that. If anything, we get feedback, which is very important. Never know where it can go.
0: What would you say are three things that you look for when deciding on who you should partner with or who should be a part of your team?
1: I guess, like, the first thing is how excited are they about this? How much do they believe it's such an important thing to do to create a fun way for kids to learn financial literacy at an early age? So that's one. And then, secondly, I guess it's kind of related to that. It's like, how vested are they in this whole thing? Like, for example, one team member, we were on Slack sending stuff and then I sent her like an idea of something that I thought would be good to do uh, Mm -hmm. before we went to print our prototypes and she stayed up to like one doing it. And I didn't expect that at all. We had said goodnight. I said, I'm so sorry to bother you so late. I woke up in the morning and it was like done. I was like, wow. That's something someone who really believes in what we're doing and really wants it to succeed. So, yeah, definitely not someone who's just in it for a paycheck and someone who's creative and is able to take decisions on their own and doesn't need guidance 100 percent of the time. This is a startup. I'm Jackie of all trades, not a mm-hmm. traits. Uh, you know, I do everything like you have to be able to kind of stretch yourself and do things that you may not necessarily like doing or want to do or is not within your scope i'm not really a fan of administrative stuff it's just not my thing i hate the legal stuff but it's important you know you need to like understand the trademark the copywriting whatever right yeah someone who can actually stretch themselves and are able to do things beyond their their scope or interest
0: wow create your life family i hope that you are really enjoying this episode I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors and let you know that our sponsors are giving special offers just for you. If you are a fellow busy podcaster who just wants to record and spend the rest of your time doing what you love, like working out at the gym with family and friends or traveling, use code CYLS for a discount on services when you go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. And without further ado, let's get back to the show. You've been around many startups and founders of companies. What would you say are some of the key characteristics, maybe two or three, of identifying founders who you feel like will make it and be successful?
1: I'm glad you asked that question because a lot of people look at these startups and they look at the companies themselves and whether or not the idea is going to be successful or not, which I'm not saying is not important. It's very important. But for me, the founder is very important. The personality of the founder. Do they Mm -hmm. persevere? Do they quit easily? Are they resourceful? Can you give them a little bit and then they run with it? How energetic and excited are they about it? Things like that are very good characteristics of a founder Mm -hmm. because even if, The company fails, that person will at some point make something happen and make something successful because you have to have that non quitting fire in you. I'm going to make this work and I'm going to keep trying. And this didn't work. I'll try something else. I'll pivot it to a different model. I found this person that I want to connect with. Like, how can I connect with them the best way?
0: What do you wish you knew before becoming an entrepreneur?
1: So much. (laughs) I guess the most shocking part to me was how lonely it can be. Entrepreneurship is so sexy, right? Like, it's so in, and people talk about it all the time. And I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to have a startup. And it's so amazing. It's such a glamorous life where you're like on the run all the time and working till late nights and whatnot. But like, it's so lonely and it can be so sad. Like, you really have to have that support group around you. And you and I know from SLP, Startup Leadership Program, that was such an amazing community. At least for me, that was, I think, a point of change in my entrepreneurial journey because up to that point, I wasn't really plugged into the community. I didn't have peers that I could talk to or bring up certain things. And there's bad days and good days. And sometimes there's more bad days than good days, actually, most of the time, hopefully not for long. But It can be so lonely and it's so important to have that support network or that person that you can call when you're like, oh my God, I just want to kill myself. That's like, I think the biggest shocker. So many other lessons learned from spending and what to spend on early and how far to go before like you test it out. There's so many lessons that I've learned that could go on and on and on.
0: I have another question following up on what you said. You you talked about traveling and I feel like that's one thing that you do a lot of. I feel like every week (laughs) you're on a plane. Sometimes in the United States, oftentimes not. You're always moving and shaking. What do you feel like is your secret to balance? I've seen you be like, hey, I just got off a flight four hours ago. Your attention, you're very in tune with what's going on. You're alert, aware. Like how?
1: Well, I have to be very honest with you. The last, I would say two to three months, I have not had balance at all. And I'm Mm -hmm. super aware of it. And it's on my list of (laughs) to-do's. Once I'm done with my pitching and Kickstarter, setting it up and all that, I've been really bad. No, I usually try to keep a good balance. Taking care of yourself is so important. I've been really slacking on that. Working out, eating healthy, making time for friends and social life, super important. I've been really bad the last two, three months. So I won't use that as an example, but usually it's like I said, you have to make the time. You can't get far. You can't do much for your company if you're not okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. and being okay needs that balance health physical health mental health emotional health making time for other things that you love and you're passionate about you know relationships I kind of snapped out of it about a month ago or a month and a half ago I was like wow I don't remember the last time I had really good quality time with good friends yesterday I'll give you an example last night that was up till one thirty. I had to miss a friend's birthday because I have to finish a few things before going to Dallas to to the toy companies and I felt super horrible. So yes, balance, take care of yourself. A really bad example of that now for the last two, three months.
0: But you're getting better.
1: It's definitely on my mind and it's definitely an intention that I have for myself. Hopefully in the next two weeks, start getting that balance back. But I'm only human at the end of the day and there's a lot that's happening. It's only me plus my independent contractor team that does a lot too. But yeah, I just have to stick through it for the next couple of weeks.
0: What do you feel like has been the biggest personal challenge that you've needed to overcome in order to be who you are today?
1: I think it's really being open to taking risks. Coming from a banking background and a very corporate background, you probably know it's like very risk averse. (laughs) especially more with my family's values. They're not risk takers. They're, they're more preserving customer deposits and not really going crazy with that. So yeah, like stepping out of that shell and becoming more of an entrepreneur, I find myself always falling into the corporate mindset of things where entrepreneurship is more risk-taking. It's more not necessarily doing things in a structured way. Although like the corporate life is a good... Plus, in terms of setting up the startup in a way to become a real company one day, it still holds me back sometimes. But that's a big challenge I always face with myself every day.
0: My next question is, how did you deal with negative feedback in your career as an entrepreneur and in banking? Was it public or private? Were you prepared for it?
1: When I was at the bank, I wasn't prepared for it. And it was difficult not to take it personally because, again, my family was the bank. The bank was my family to me. It was difficult and I had a lot of down days, but I was lucky to have close friends that I could speak with. And they were very supportive and they encouraged me to keep going. If it was stuff that was legit, I would always address it, try to fix things. I did have one friend test the boxes out with her twin daughters. She was probably the type of parent who may not have as much time to have one-on-ones with them. Because mm-hmm. she has three kids and two of them are twin daughters. And it was just really chaotic. And she didn't feel like this was something that she could use, which is fine. Because, you know, when you start a company and you have a product, you can't please everyone. It's Mm -hmm. not a mass product. It will work for some and for others it won't. And it was a bit disappointing because she's a really, really good friend of mine. But other than that, I just had to remind myself that you can't keep changing what you're doing to please everyone. You really have to focus on what you're trying to do with it and just keep
0: moving forward. So if you weren't doing what you're doing now, Mm -hmm. what would you be doing? Is there any career or hobby that you've always wanted to pursue?
1: I have no idea. When I left the bank, I never thought I would be doing anything else. So it took me a while to get to this. So I'm really not sure. There's many things that I like to do or just generally life. But yeah, I think I'm doing what I really want to do. I just feel like it's the perfect marriage between everything that's important to me, like my expertise, my background, my passions. And it's creative and it's fun and it has to do with kids and education. And I'm just loving what I'm doing. Probably would have been another startup idea. I don't know. I don't know if I could get this close to like putting everything together the way I have right now.
0: So my next question to you is, can you swim?
1: Yeah, I can swim.
0: Great. Just asking because we're about to jump into the dolphin tank. This is rapid fire questioning. Are you ready?
1: Uh, I think so.
0: (laughs) What are your goal setting methods and how do you make sure that you're growing each year?
1: Right now, it's tough to make growth goals because I am not—I don't have any sales, but I have mm-hmm. goals in terms of like things I want to accomplish. I'm such an Excel person. I like to use Excel, but I've recently moved to Trello. So Trello is really my list of to-dos and things of what I want to accomplish. But in terms of budgets and stuff, yeah, I use Excel and I like to reflect on it every year. And every once in a while, I like to take a look and adjust as we go. And that has to do with balance, by the way, too. I have goals for my like personal life, travel, everything.
0: What, what's holding you back from creating your best life?
1: Nothing's holding me back. I'm doing my best to create my best life. I think maybe sometimes obligations might come in the way in terms of family everything to me. And if I need to be there for them, that sort of sets me back sometimes. But other than that, I'm pressing the gas pedal.
0: What's the top tech that you're using to make your business run smoothly?
1: I guess in terms of communicating and project management, I would say Slack and Trello and oh, Zoom too. I love Zoom for
0: meetings. Favorite quote or model that you live by?
1: I'm such a planner and I'm a big organization geek, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I love the quote that says, man plans and God laughs. No matter how much you plan, stuff is going to happen and you're going to have to adjust your plans and things will not always go the way you want. But I'm Mm -hmm. such a firm believer that they're meant to go the way they are, as long as you put your full effort into it.
0: Favorite or most impactful book that you've read?
1: Four Steps to the Epiphany. I think it's Steve Blank and Women Who Run With Wolves. It's like Mm -hmm. a bunch of folklore tales and about power of women in some ways. I love that book, but there's so many other, there's so many books. I can send you a list. (laughs)
0: Three jewels that you would tell someone looking to create the best life?
1: Follow something that you love doing and you're passionate about. Although planning doesn't always go the way you want, but some planning is very important. And don't be afraid to ask for help.
0: What's next for you?
1: Right now is the six toy company pitches and my Kickstarter. In terms of today, uh, finishing up my presentation for that, packing and dropping off my puppy to boarding.
0: What's the best way for us to keep in contact with you?
1: You can email me if you like. Dina, D-I-N-A at inherquests, I-N-H-E-R-S, quests dot com. If you're interested in financial literacy stuff and our blogs and what's happening with the company, you can always sign up to our mailing list on the website, inrequest.com. I'm on social media. You can follow me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, whichever way you like. My handle is my name, Dina Shulman. Questions for you Dina?
0: <laughs> yes, so we have reached the turnaround and that means that you are the interviewer. I'm an interviewee. And so Dina, any questions that you ask me, I have to answer. So I only have one request. What's that? Please be gentle.
1: (laughs) I love you, Kevin, and I won't be hard on you. But I am very curious about a few things, actually. Who has been your biggest influence or greatest mentor in life?
0: Probably a gentleman by the name of Fillmore Graham. He was the founder of the Continals of Omega Boys and Girls Club in Vallejo, California, where I grew up. And that Boys and Girls Club literally like saved my life. I used to go there every single day. He just spent a lot of time with me nourishing my mind and teaching me lessons about life. So I would definitely say that he's one of the most influential people on me, but I've also had the opportunity and been blessed to have many mentors in my life. But if I was talking about early on from like kid to 18, it would be there. I think in college, one of my biggest mentors was Raphael Moffitt. Post-college, I think one of my biggest mentors is Marie Dutton Brown. Had the opportunity to watch her excellence in many capacities. Even embarking on her 78th birthday, she's still working and waking up at 5 a.m. and really committed to her work and to excellence. I've had the opportunity to observe and learn from a lot of people. That's not even the tip of the iceberg, but those are three people who come to mind. And Carrie Wilson, she's the reason why I ended up going to college. She walked me through the application process. So I've had a lot of people who've had some really amazing influences on me.
1: So, what makes a good mentor?
0: I think what makes a good mentor is someone who is available, someone who is non judgmental and who has a lot to offer in certain areas. And I think that them being able to be open and honest about their experiences and open and honest about when they don't have the expertise to answer certain questions, but can point you in the right direction. And I think that as a mentee, you need to be very aware of when you're asking something outside of your mentor's. I don't want to call it a capacity box, but that's what's coming to mind, that you really need to be aware of certain aspects of things. Like I have one mentor who's been working in education. However, you know, I have somebody else who I talk to a lot of the times who's not an entrepreneur, but offers good advice when it comes to design and things like that. Nor is he a designer.
1: What was or what is your earliest money-related memory as a child?
0: I remember in second grade, I used to charge kids to help them with their homework. And I remember bargaining are trying to earn money in order to go spend it. So I guess that was <laughs> the <laughs> smartest way of uh, dealing with finances, but those are some of my early memories.
1: And my last one is, after all your experiences as a child and growing up, and now you're doing so much to help people through your podcast and everything, what is your number one money tip or your biggest money lesson that you would
0: give someone? I would say, take what you have. Of course, if you have discretionary income, figure out how to flip it, meaning double your money. You should always have your money working. And then you need the budget. Definitely compound and definitely budget. You need to be aware of what you have and be and forecast as much as you can. So using mint.com, if you're an entrepreneur, QuickBooks, understanding your finances is really what's going to help you and put you ahead. Totally. Dina, thank you so much for being on the show today. You did an amazing job.
1: Thank you so much, Kevin. I'm so happy. Like, it was so much fun and I really appreciate you having me on here.
0: My pleasure. So, Create Your Life family, thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and rate and review us. This helps us build this community and building a community is what we're all about right now so that we can deliver as much value as possible to you. So, until next time, create your life and feed your ambition. This episode was brought to you by PodcastLaundry.com. I love Podcast Laundry. It provides a real solution to free up my time. And time is the only resource that we cannot get back. Podcast Laundry was created with love to help other fellow busy podcasters free up time so that they could do more of what they love, whether that's traveling, time with friends and family, or working on other ventures. If you want to free up your time, then have Podcast Laundry do the dirty work of note-taking, graphic creation, editing, show tagging, and uploading for you. Go to PodcastLaundry.com or call 347 878 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation, and remember to use code CYLS. That's podcastlaundry.com dot com or call three four seven eight seven one eight two seven three.